Okay, today's learning uh, should be, as I said yesterday, Rafu Shlema, Rav Gamil Ben Michle Ita, Lezechanishas Gila Bashlema, Leibas Afrayim, Yitzchok Ben Chaim Alevi, Yaakov Ben Shraga Faival Halevi, Sar Leibash Motzvi, Lachan Bapesat, Variach Basar Vishur, Ravavan Ben Ravaruch, Nishama Shavalia, and Rafu Shlema Yehudis Bas Miriam. Okay, so we're up to Daf Nun Hei Amid Beis. Nunhamid <clears throat> Bez, four lines into the wide lines, there's a two dots. So now we are beginning um, the Gemaras that you could learn on Tishabov. It's ironic, it's during the three weeks. We're learning the beginning, beginning the halach, the beginning of things you could learn during Tishabov. Okay. So the Gemara says like this Nunhamid Bez, four lines into the page. Amr of Yochanan. Rav Yechonon says, "My dechsev, what does it mean? Ashrei Adam mefachet tamid umaksha liba yipol bara." The pasuk says, "A pasuk in Mishlei, Ashrei Adam mefachet tamid." Praiseworthy is a person. Just started the Gemara. Praiseworthy is a person who's always worried, who's always um, looking at his consequences of his actions. Umaksha liba yipol bara, and he hardens his heart. But if you if you're stubborn. You'll do averes. So there's a praiseworthy of someone who uh, who he sees where his actions are heading. So the pasuk is describing people that um, that if you if you see where your actions are headed, you'll avoid tragedy. If not, not. So what is this referring to? This is an, an example of of not seeing where your actions are headed. Leading to destruction is Kamsa, the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. Kamsa and Bar Kamsa led to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Atarnagula, Vitarnagulta, Chor of Tur Malka. Because of a rooster and a hen, Har HaMelech was destroyed. And Ashgad Deriska, Chor of Beitar. And because of a, a carriage, Beitar was destroyed. So these are three stories. The last two we're not dealing with today, the rooster and the, and the carriage. But we'll talk about the first one, and that is Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. What is the story? It's a very famous Gemara. What is the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa, and how did it lead to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash? Kamsa Bar Kamsa Chor of Yishalayim. Because of Kamsa Bar Kamsa, Yishalayim was destroyed. Duh Gavra, there was a man. Derachmoi Kamsa Ubal Debobi Bar Kamsa. There was a man who liked Kamsa, and he did not like Bar Kamsa. Kamsa and Bar Kamsa are two different people. So he liked Kamsa, he was friends with Kamsa, and he hated Bar Kamsa. So Abed Sudusa he made us a, a, a simcha. Amr Lelushmaya, he told his Gabai, Zil Aisili Kamsa, remember to invite Kamsa, my friend. But Ozl Aisile Bar Kamsa. The Gabai accidentally invited the wrong person. Instead of inviting his friend, Kamsa, he invited his enemy Bar Kamsa. Oska Ashkechidav Yosef. So during the Simcha, the host sees Bar Kamsa, his enemy. Omer Leh, he says to Bar Kamsa, Michti hu gavr baldebavi hava. Gavr hu. You're my enemy, why are you here? My boy is chacha, what are you doing here? Kum get out. And he was embarrassing him publicly by kicking him out of the simcha. So Omer Leh, Bar Kamsa said, Hoyl v'ase shavkan, since I came, let me stay. V'yovloch demei mada'ochlis v'shasina, and I'll pay for my food. Right? I'll pay for whatever my plate costs, just let me stay. It's embarrassing for me to leave. Please let me stay and I'll, I'll pay for my food. Go to the next page. Amr So the host said to Bar Kamsa, Loi, no, I'm not letting you stay. 
This is, by the way, the famous story that led to the Chorban, the second base of Middash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. This is one of the examples. So Amr Lehi Bar Kamsa said to him, If you let me stay, I'll pay for half of the Simcha, half of the entire cost of the entire party. Amr Lehi Nope. So Bar Kamsa said, let me stay, I'll pay for the entire chasana. Nope. He literally threw him out by himself. He handed, he schlepped him out. This is very embarrassing. So Bar Kamsa, Omar, he said, Bar Kamsa said, not only was I embarrassed, but there were rabbis at this simcha. And they didn't say anything. So it must be the rabbis endorsed my, the actions of this person. And Bar Kamsa was very turned against Yiddishkeit as well. And he said like this, It must be the rabbis are okay with such behavior. Which also shows an example that if you watch something happen and you don't rebuke it and you don't get involved, that itself is, is, uh, is like, uh, like being maskim, it's like signing off on it. So Eisel Eichel Bakurza Malkam. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say Lashon Hara against the rabbis to the to the Romans, and this is what happened. Azul Amrli the Kesar. He went to the the head of Rome. Kesar, uh, it's a Caesar, but in this case it was it was Rome. They go to the head of Rome, and he says, Mar Dubach Yehudai. The Jews have rebelled against you. So Amrli. The head of Rome said, Mi Yemar, prove it to Ad. Why do you say the Jews are rebelling? At this point, we had a, a semi-peaceful relationship. It wasn't so peaceful, but at least they didn't destroy the Beis Hamikdash yet. So Amrlei, Shudjula Karbana. So Bar Kamsa said to the head of Rome, I'll prove it to you. Send a carbon, send a sacrifice, and see if they bring it. Now the halacha is that if a guy brings certain types of carbonas, we accept it. So he said, Give a carbon to the Jews, and let's see if they they bring it. Now, what happened? Also, Shadubiyade Iglatilsa, the head of Rome, sent a very nice calf, a, a, a fine calf. Uh, Iglatilsa means like it's like a, it was like a very a very hush of a calf. So he sends a very hush of a carbon. Bahadi the Kaosim, as Bar says, bringing it to Yushalayim, Muma He caused the lip. He made a nick. He cut the lip of the animal. And some say he gave it a cataract. Now what this is, is like this. The halacha is that for for the Jewish people in the Beis HaMikdash, you're not allowed to bring a carbon that has any blemish. However, Goyim also have halacha. And one of the halachas from, for the Goyim, for us, meaning not just for the Christians, I'm saying for Judaism, the halacha is that if a guy is bringing a private carbon to Hashem, on a private altar, he's allowed to bring the carbon as long as it's not missing a limb. So if the lip is split on a private altar, a guy would be allowed to bring it if you would ask a rabbi. But in the Beis HaMikdash, we're makbid. So what this Bar Kamsa did was very clever. He gave it a nick in the lip. So from the head of Roman's perspective, he thinks that we should accept that, even from a guy, because from a guyish perspective, it's only a problem if it's missing a limb. But the Jews have a different halacha for the Beis HaMikdash. The guys don't know that. So therefore, the Jews are going to not accept this carbon, not, and the guys are not going to understand that it has to do with a mum, because from their perspective, as long as it's not missing a limb, it's, it's a perfectly fine carbon, 
and had, uh, hence uh, bad things happen. Dukkatul Ididan have a muva. He made sure that the blemish was considered a blemish for the Jewish people, but not considered for a Goyesh, a carbon outside of the base of Middash. It's not a blemish. So the Romans will not understand why we're not bringing the carbon. So the question is what to do. So the rabbis decided we're going to accept this carbon and bring it in order to make peace. Meaning, although it's also to do this, they felt that it was better to avoid eventually would become the base of Mikdash's destruction. He goes down in history as his arguments leading to the destruction of the base of He had the right intention. But Zechariah ben Avkulis said, You can't bring the carbon because then people are going to say, you could have Balimum, it's too bad of an optic. You can't bring the carbon. Okay. The rabbis decided, let's kill Bar Kamsa because he's like a roidif. That he doesn't go back and tell the Romans. Right? He's the only one who knows about this. Let's kill Bar Kamsa. said again, The problem is if you kill him, people are not going to realize that you're killing him because he's a roidif. People are going to think you're killing him because you tried to bring a carbon that wasn't qualified. So people are going to say, if you even try to bring a carbon that's a balmum, you'll be killed. So he said, let's just reject the carbon. And which, as we're going to see, the Romans felt was an act of defiance against Rome, and that led to the destruction of the base of Mikdash. The Anivas, uh, the naivete, I guess, the tolerance of Rav Zechariah ben Avkulis, Hechrivas, Hezbeiseinu, it caused the destruction of the Besamikdash, Besarvas, Achenu, burnt our sanctuaries, Lisan Miratzenu, and caused our Golis. Meaning, he should have, he should have not just, uh, he should have either brought the carbon or killed Rakamsa, but this is what, what happened was, um, was because of his humility. Okay, now. The Gemara continues, and now the Romans hear that we did not bring the carbon, and they're very, very upset. Shadr So, he sent to destroy the Besamikdash, the head of Rome sent Nero Kesar. That was his name. Now, the Gemara says, Kikasi, as Nero Kesar is approaching Yerushalayim, Shadr Girilamizr, he shoots an arrow to the east, also enough to be Shalayim, but it changed course. And went to Yushalayim. Lamariv, he shoots an arrow to the west. Asa, Nafab Yushalayim. It changes course midair and goes to Yushalayim. Every direction he's sending these arrows, they're going straight to Yushalayim. Meaning, that was his way of understanding that Hashem was saying, I don't care where you send it, Yushalayim will fall. And that's why every arrow that he's shooting is falling in Yushalayim. That it was divine will for Yushalayim to fall. Amrli Yanuka, then he went to a child. We know that there was a concept in the times of the Gemara that if you went to a child and you asked them, tell me what you're learning in Yeshiva, it was like a small prophecy. So he asked the child, what are you learning? Pasuk Pesecha. So Amrli, the child said the following Pasuk. The Pasuk in Yechezkel, Nasati is Nikmasi Be'edom Biyad Ami Yisrael. I will destroy Edom for what they did to my children. Meaning, the Pasuk was basically saying that he saw that the, the arrows were coming straight to Yushalayim, which means Yushalayim is going to fall by his hand. But the Pasuk that the child said is that Hashem will punish those that destroy Yushalayim. So Hashem wants Yushalayim to fall, but Nero Kesar will be the scapegoat. He'll be punished for his, 
his uh, interaction, his role in the in the in the his part of the of the role of destroying Yishalayim. So he says, Amar, could Shabrihu Baruch So near a case, I said, Hashem wants to destroy his. His house, but he wants to wipe his hands on me. I mean, I'm going to be punished for what Hashem wants. I'm not doing it. He ran and he converted. He became a convert. And he is the great grandfather of Rav Meir. Rav Meir comes from him, which is an amazing thing. So, so Nero Kesar is no longer willing to do it. So, Shadra Iloya Lespainus Kesar. They sent Vespasian. Vespasian came and he um, he led to the destruction. He didn't finish it fully, but um, he definitely started it. So what happened? Vespasian came and attacked Yishalayim for three years. Now during his time period of destroying the Beis HaMikdash, there were three wealthy people. Nakdim and Ben-Gurion, that was first. ben Kalva Savua. That's the second. That's the father-in-law of Akiva, who ben sitzis hakesas and ben sitzis hakesas. There are three different people. Now, why are they called these nicknames? Nakdima ben Gurion, Nakdiman means piercing, because the sun stood. He pierced the heavens, and the sun stood for him. Now, this has a whole sugi. This is a whole story in Tainus that he borrowed money to pay it back to get a wells by the time and and during a famine. And basically, the last day that he was owed money, that he, it had to rain, so that he wouldn't have to pay pay back a tremendous, exorbitant amount of money, the sun stood still and the day extended um, as a miracle. It's a whole story in Titus. That's why he's called Nakdim Ben-Gurion. Ben-Kalva Savua, he was called that way, because anyone who entered his house, if he was like a kalva, like a dog, if you were entered his house hungry as a dog, you left Savua satisfied. He fed every poor person. That's how wealthy he was. And Ben Tzitzis Akes says the last one, which means between Tzitzis and, and uh, sheets. Kesis, like put cushions. He was called away because his Tzitzis always dragged on uh, cushions. He wouldn't walk on the floor. Wherever he would walk, they would put cushions out for him. That's how wealthy he was. And some say, And some say he was called the cushions because on his cushions, the head of Rome would sit, meaning there were always, he, he had an audience with very, very, very wealthy people. Okay. So one of these three rich men said to the Rabbanon, now this is, I'll tell you, this is a lot of people don't know this part of the Gemara. And that is that there were Baryuni. Baryuni were, we well, gotta call them thugs, gangsters. There were these Jewish gangsters who were in Yerushalayim who felt very strongly that instead of making peace with the Romans, we had to fight the Romans. Now, they were wrong because uh, we did not have any way near the strength to attack Rome, but that was their approach. And because of this, they had like terrorist attacks against the Jewish people, forcing us to fight against Rome by taking away our ability to survive. It was a very, it was a very difficult time period. As we're going to see, not only did they destroy a lot of the crops, forcing the Jews to have to fight because they couldn't, they couldn't survive anyway. Also, they made a rule, you're not allowed to leave Yerushalayim because they were afraid that any person that left Yerushalayim would would make peace with the Romans. 
So it was a very tough situation. So the Gemara says that these three people, three rich men, said, This is during the siege, so there was a lack of food. So one rich man said, I'll give enough wheat and barley for the Jewish people. One person said, I'll supply them with wine, salt, and oil. And one said, I'll supply them with firewood. And the Gemara says, the Rabbanon said that the one who's willing to give the wood, that's the most generous. Why? Because in order to bake all these products, you need a lot of wood. Rabbanon would entrust his Gabbai with all the keys to his house, except for his firewood, his storehouse of wood. To buy a, a, a storehouse full of wheat, you need of bread. You need sixty storehouses full of wood. Wood is very expensive, and you need a large quantity. So, now, with the generous gifts of these three men, the Jews of Yerushalayim had enough food for twenty-one years. But Havahu Beruni, like I said before, there were these thugs. Amrly the Rabbanon. So this is what happened. The Rabbanon said, the Rabbanon wanted to make peace with the Romans after the whole Bar Kamsa story. They didn't let the Jews go. They were thugs and, and they didn't let anyone leave Yushalayim. Amrlahu, they said to the Rabbanon, they wanted to make a war to fight the Romans. Amrlay Rabban, the Rabban said, Lloyd Mistai Milsa, it's not it's not going to be successful. So what the thugs did is they destroyed all the 21 years worth of uh, food and grain and wood that these three wealthy Jews set aside for the Jews of Yerushalayim. They burnt it down, forcing there to be a famine because they were hoping that if, now that there's no, there's no uh, warehouses, there's no storage houses left, it'll force the Jews of Yerushalayim to have to fight back because they're not going to be able to survive. As long as they had 21 years, they could sit back and, and you know, slowly make peace. But now they're like, okay, th- that was their terrorist attack against the Jewish people, self-inflicted terrorist attack, in order to force the Jews to actually fight back against the Romans. So the Gemara says, another story about the effects of the famine caused by these thugs. Marta Baspaisus, Marta Baspaisus, she was the wealthiest woman in Yerushalayim. Her name was Marta. She sent out her, her shliach, her gabai, and said, This is how bad it got. She said, Please get me fine flour. And he goes to the store to get bread made of fine flour, but it had all been sold out. So she, he goes back. So every time he goes, he comes back. He goes to the store. No fine flour goes back. He said, There's no fine flour left. But there's white bread. Non-fine flour. So she said, Okay, buy that. He goes to the store. By the time he went to the store, it was already sold out. So he's constantly going back and forth. So he goes back to her. He says, There's no more white bread, but there's coarse bread. Okay, fine. Adalaz of Osman. By the time that he had this conversation, he goes back to the store, there's no more coarse bread, but there's barley flour. She says, okay, bring me some barley flour. By the time he went there, the barley flour had been sold. So, 
Amra, though she was not wearing shoes, she said, I'll go out. She ran out without shoes to go see if she can get any food. There must have been some, she stepped in animal droppings and it stuck to her foot and she became so shocked. It was such a shock to her, such a wealthy person. That's how far she fell. Mesa, she passed away. Carly, Rabbi Yechem and Zaka, Rabbi Yechem and Zaka said about her, Haraka bach va'unka This is what the Pasuk means. And the Pasuk says, Pasuk in the Varim says, that Haraka bach, those that are pampered, ha'unuga ragla, they never stepped on their own feet. That because she was like very, very fancy, and now she's stepping out for the first time because of the famine, it was a shock to the system. Okay. Now, before we continue her story, it says, Ikadamni, some say, that some say that caused her to die was not stepping on the dung, was that she ate the dried figs of Rav Tzadik and passed away. What is the dried figs of Rav Tzadik? The Rav Tzadik, Yosef Arba and Shinabatini, Rav Tzadik fasted for 40 years, so Yishalayim should not be destroyed. He fasted for 40 years because he saw the signs of the Chorban coming. So he fasted for 40 years. He was so thin after the 40 years of fasting every day that everything that he ate, you could see it going down his stomach. When he, I guess at the end of each fast, when he would try to eat, they would bring him a dried fig. He would suck on the dry fig. And he, would, he, would throw, he couldn't eat the whole dried fig. He would just suck on the dried fig and throw and discard the rest. And she was forced to eat his discarded dried fig that had been sucked on, and it caused her to, to, to pass away. Now, while she's passing away, as she's dying, as she's dying, she took the gold and silver that was out of her pockets, and she threw it into the marketplace. Umra, she said, What do I need this for? Meaning, she had all the gold and silver, but she couldn't buy food. Because that's what a famine is. You can have a lot of cash, but if there's no food available. Behind the chsid, this is what it means. Kaspam The pasuk describes in Yechezkel, they throw their silver into the streets. That's how bad it'll get. Okay. Now the head of these thugs, who again caused the famine, and were stopping Jews from leaving Yerushalayim, the head of these thugs was the nephew of Rav Yochum ben Zakkai. So. Shalach Le'er of Yechman Zakeh sent him the following message. I want to meet you secretly. Because again, it was dangerous for, from, from both perspectives. The thugs didn't want to meet the rabbis and vice versa. So for the thugs and the rabbi, the head thug and the head rabbi to get together was very dangerous. So they had a secret meeting. Crazy how bad it got. Amar Le'i, Ad said to his nephew, Abba Sikra, the head of the thugs. How long are you going to do this for? That you're causing everyone to die through starvation. Meaning, let us leave Yerushalayim. You're not letting us leave. So Amr he said, what, am I, my Ovid, what do you want me to do? He said, I know I'm the head of the, the mob boss, the mob family. If I tell them anything they don't want to hear, they'll kill me. Meaning the thugs themselves would kill each other. So he's like, they won't listen to me. So he says, Find a way for me to get out of the city. Let me go out of the city and I'll, I'll, I'll be able to talk to the Romans. Just get me out. Smuggle me out. 
After that, I had Salaport, at least I could small, I could save a little bit of Yushalayim. Just get me out of here. So, Amrle Abrisikra said like this. I'll tell you outside, then we'll see it inside. His basic plan is um, tell people that you died. Uh, and we're going to put like a, a carcass near your coffin so that it smells like a dead body and it will smuggle you out in a coffin. That's how hard it was for him to leave Yushalayim. So Amrle, he says, Tell people that you're sick. So that people start thinking, oh, Rabbi Yechum Metzak is sick. And then when you die, it won't be like, it'll be like, okay, yeah, he was sick. So everyone should ask about you and daven for you, whatever. Then take something that smells like the carcass of an animal and lay it down next to you. And people will think that you died. And that's why the smell. And let only your students come and take your body out. Because you can't let everybody carry the coffin because someone's going to find out that you're alive. Now, why? how would they find out that you're alive? Because we know that living weight does not feel the same as dead weight. But don't let anyone else enter and carry your body. Because they'll notice that you're lighter. So therefore, only let your students carry you. Now, they did this. Now, they got to the exit of Yerushalayim and there were guards, these thugs had guards. So you have Rav Yochanan Metzaka, he's being carried by his two students, Rav Yeshua and Rav Eliezer. So they got to the entrance, to the exit of Yushalayim, to leave Yushalayim, and these thugs wanted to stab Rav Yochanan Metzaka to make sure he's dead. They wanted to, because I guess people were, you know, they knew that there might be a ruse, so they wanted to stab to make sure that he's dead. So Amalhu, Abba Sikra said to them, the Romans will say that we, we, we Jews stab our rabbis. That is not a good thing for us to do. Do not stab the rabbi. It's not, uh, even thugs knew you don't stab a rabbi, especially a dead rabbi. So, so the, the thugs said, okay, we won't stab him. Let's shove him, let's punch him, let's kick him a little bit to make sure that he's dead. Amalei, so Abba Sikra said, The Romans will say, We Jews beat up our rabbis. Also not a good optic. They finally opened the gate, and he carried out Yishalayim. Rabbi went to the Roman camp. Omar, so he wanted to talk to Vespasian, who was the one who was besieging Yishalayim for the last three years. Omar, Shalmaloch Malka, Shalmaloch Malka. Shalmalecha king, Shalmalecha king. So Amrlu Vespasian said to Mechayvus Treykatli, I should kill you twice. I should kill you for two reasons. Why? First of all, I'm not a king and you're calling me a king. He was not the Caesar. He was not the head of Rome. He's like, I'm not a king, so stop calling me that. Vechad, Vesu, furthermore, Imalkana, if I am a king, how come you didn't come to see me for the last three years? Meaning you're calling me a king, which I'm not. And if I am a king to you, then how come you haven't seen me for three years? said to him, said, I have answers for both of your points. Now go to the next page. That which you said, that you're not a king. The truth is, it means I know that you're going to be a king. Why? The fact that Yushalayim is falling into your hands means that you're a king, because Hashem would never let Yushalayim fall into the hands of a, you know, just a regular guy. Levanon shall fall 
to a mighty one, meaning Hashem would only allow Yishalayim to fall to a king. The word Adir means king. And Levanon is the Beis Amikdash, which means the Levanon, the Beis Amikdash, shall fall to a king. So that's why the first time I called you a king is you're going to be a king. And your second point, and your second point, which is that if I'm going to be a king, then how come I haven't seen you for three years? The thugs of Yerushalayim didn't let me out. So Amr Vespasian said like this. So he, he told them that basically I wanted to come and greet you to show you honor, but I couldn't get out of Yerushalayim for the last three years. So Vespasian said to Rav Yochanan, If you have a, a honey pot, a pot full of honey, and there's a snake going after the pot, wouldn't you, if you have a snake that's in the honey pot and you want to get rid of the snake, what do you do? You break the pot and let the snake leave. Meaning, so you, the snake, the, 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 the honey, I guess, are the Romans. The snake are the, are the, are the thugs. The pot is Yushalayim. So he's saying like this, you couldn't get out of Yushalayim to, to greet me because of the snake that is the thugs, break the walls. You should have broken the walls of Yushalayim to escape. So I, I, you, I believe that if you wanted to see me, you should have broken the Yushalayim, meaning you should have fought the thugs, had a civil war against the thugs, destroyed the walls of Yushalayim to allow it to get to the Romans, that the good Romans, the honey, the good Romans, should be able to come and help. So Ishtik, he was quiet. So that's that stop. Rav Yechanan ben Zakkai lost his ability to respond. And what what happened? Karla Rav Yosef Yitim Rav Akiva. Rav Akiva said about this episode of Yechanan ben Zakkai not being able to answer this argument of why didn't you destroy the walls of Yishalayim to allow the Romans in so that they would help you? Because again, Vespasian thinks the Romans are good. He says, Meishiv Chacham Achav Edayt Misaka. The pasuk says that Hashem will turn away the wise men and making them thinking foolish that Hashem will sometimes. Uh, due to the sins of the generation, will make it that a Chacham doesn't answer properly. Why? Because Rabbi Yechem Metzakeh should have answered the following. He should have responded, The truth is, if you have a snake that's by the honey, you don't destroy the honey pot. What you do is you take tongs and remove the snake. So that argument that they should have destroyed the walls of Yishalayim to allow the Romans is ridiculous. You never do that, because then you don't have a pot anymore. You get rid of the snake, which they couldn't. They couldn't get rid of the, the thugs. But uh, the argument is, is not uh, not great. Now, so he's having this conversation with Vespasian. So the Gemara says, While they're talking, a messenger from Rome comes to Vespasian and says, You should come to Rome because the, the head of Rome died and they want you to lead Rome. So, have a saim chad By the way, everything about this Gemara, there's there's deeper meaning. I'm just doing the simple reading. So he hears this great news that he is now the king of Rome. Now, while he hears this news, he had one shoe on, one shoe on and one shoe off. So, 
he couldn't get the other shoe on. Apparently, when someone has like um, very quick joy, very quick happiness, it causes the body to swell a little bit. So he couldn't get the other shoe. His body had swollen, so the shoe that was on was now incredibly tight, and the other shoe wouldn't fit. So he asked Rabbi and Zak, my high, what's going on with my feet? Do not worry. What happened is that when you have very good news very quickly, the body swells a little bit, gets bigger. The puzzle says good, good news makes the bones fatty. So what should you do? This is what you should do. You should bring in a guy who you don't like that will sort of remove the joy a little bit and the swelling will go down. A broken spirit dries the bones, meaning you, you're a little too happy, you got to calm down a little bit. He did this, and his shoes went on. Went on. You're so smart. How come I haven't seen you for three years? So the Gemara says, we just had this conversation. He said, because of the thugs. Amrlei. I already told you because of the thugs didn't let me leave. So responded, no, not me, but I also told you you should have broken the walls of the honey pot, meaning I'm not happy with that response. So Vespasian said to him, the truth is I'm going to Rome and someone else will be in charge of destroying Yerushalayim and fighting Yerushalayim, not me. You should ask for something and I'll do it. I'm in a good mood, I like you, I'll do it. So the Gemara is going to say, I'll just to say it outside, that we'll see it inside. Rav Yechim did not ask for him to stop fighting Yushalayim and to spare Yushalayim because he felt that that was such a big ask. It was so unrealistic that, that he, he wouldn't do anything. So he felt, let me, let me ask for something that's realistically attainable. Omer I want three things. Protect the city of Yavna and the Rabbanim of Yavna. I want to protect the Rabbanim of Yavna. Okay. Number two, Tainly Shushilta de Rav Gamliel, protect the family of Rav Gamliel who were in the Nisim. I want you to protect that family. And I want doctors to come to cure Rav Tzadik who couldn't eat after 40 years of fasting. Now, again, he didn't ask for the Holy Yerushalayim because he felt that that was not a attainable request. Karla of Yosef became Rav Kiva. Rav Kiva said the same thing. Hashem turns wise men backwards and makes the thinking foolish. Meaning, Hashem took away Rav Yechem thinking at this moment. He should have asked to save Yerushalayim. He should have asked, you know, you got the think big. He should have asked for big things. For who saw Rav Yechem thought, he thought that that was such a big request that he's not going to get anything. It's like Tafasta Maruba, I'd rather ask for something attainable. But the truth is, ask for something big. They have this a lot of times with fundraising. It's like, don't ask, don't limit it to $100. Ask something big. Maybe the guy will get it. That's so important. Okay. Now, when they came to cure Rav Tzadik, which was the third thing that he requested, how did they do it? So how do you treat someone who has been malnourished for so long? The truth is you have to build up the body. The first day they soaked water in bran, and he drank water that had bran-like soakings. That's all he could handle. The next day he drank water that was soaked with bran and flour. 
The next day he drank water that was soaked with flour alone, gradually increasing the thickness of the water till eventually he was able to actually eat food. Until his intestines widened a little bit. Okay, so now Vespasian is removed. Now who do they send instead? The evil Titus. Ozil Shadjila Titus. They sent to Titus. Now Titus, unfortunately, was successful. He said regarding this passage, he says, where is the God to protect Titus This is a reference to Titus, who always questioned Hashem himself. Titus' fights were against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. what did he do? Tafas Zaina Biyada, he took a Zaina, a prostitute, Vinichas the base Kachia Kachim. He entered the Holy of Holies. Vitsiya Sefatira, he spread out a Sefatira on the floor, Upper Laver, and he lived with that woman in the Kaidish Akadashim. Vinotal Sayyif Gidir is a Praichas, and he took a sword and slashed the Praichas. Vinasa Nesa, a miracle happened by Yadam Mivatsiya, blood was coming out of the Praichas. This was because Hashem was showing the Tsar that he was in with Klaustro. Kasaba Haragazma, but Titus thought that he had God forbid, I don't even know what this means, killed Hashem, Chalila. Now, by the way, just a thing to remember, you have a famous teaching of Chaim Voloshner, that as terrible as it seems what Titus did, by living with a Zaina in the Beis HaMikdash, on a Sefer in the Kedish HaKadoshim, the truth is, says Chaim Voloshner, in the eyes of Hashem, when a Jew thinks something inappropriate, that's worse than what Titus did. Because he says, Titus, Goyim, they're not in the same parasha. Hashem doesn't care. It's, it's, like a, it's like if an animal, you know, acts crazy in the zoo. It has no meaning. But Klal which has an Efesh that actually makes a Roshan. It's worse when a Jew thinks something inappropriate than what Titus did. But Allah has come of a kama, you know, if a Jew thinks positive things, how much it makes more of a Roshan. Okay. Abachanan Aimer, Abachanan said, the Apostle says, Who is like you, O strong one, Hashem? Hashem showed his strength and his restraint, that he heard Titus' blasphemy and he didn't respond. That you heard Titus is evil and you, and you ha- held back. The Bay Rabbi Shmuel Tana in the in the yeshiva of Rabbi Shmuel they taught Mikamaycha Meil Hashem Mikamaycha Ba'elman Hashem is like mute that he muted himself and that showed his strength that he didn't fight Titus. What happened? Ma'asa. What did Titus do next? Not also Paraychas. He took the Paraychas. There was some min kargutni. He turned it into like a thing to carry to carry wine. Maybe Kol Kelo Shemikdash Venichamba. He took all the kale of the base and he just put them in the parochas. And he took it back to Rome. That the Rishoim saw that was buried. And they took it. They took it from a holy place. And Yishlam will be forgotten. It doesn't mean. Uh, that they took the buried things, it means they gathered all the kalim together, and they brought it to praise themselves. And some say, no, that it actually means that the kalim were buried, meaning that even the kalim that were buried revealed themselves for Titus to take. Now, so you have Titus who destroyed the base of Mikdash and did terrible things and blasphemized Hashem, has all the kalim and he's in a boat. 
and he's going back to Rome. So a hurricane came and was going to knock the boat over. So Amar Tita said, So Tita said, Oh, this Jewish God, he only has strength in the water. Every time he destroys people, he must only be strong in the water. He destroyed power in the water. He destroyed Sisa's army by the water of Nachal Kishon. And he wants to destroy me in the water. Meaning, Hashem only, God forbid, only has strength by the water. If Hashem was really strong, let him fight me on land. On dry land. A heavenly voice came out against Titus and said, Rasha ben Rasha ben Benoishal Esav Rasha. Evil one, the grandson of Esav Rasha. Birya Kala Yeshu Belama. I have a tiny creature, the Yitushma, and it's called a gnat. G N A T. I have a gnat. And by the way, and that gnat is going to destroy you. Am I currently Biryakal? Why is a gnat called a puny animal? Apparently, it has an entrance for food, but it doesn't have an, a way to excrete. That's why gnats die. They don't have a way to excrete. It's a, an animal that does not have a, light, a long lifespan, and it can't uh, properly go to the bathroom. And this gnat is going to destroy you. What happened? So. When Titus went to dry land, a gnat went through his nose. And for seven years, it was picking at his brain, causing him probably tremendous amount of pain. One day, also Titus heard this gnat all day long, 24-7. One day, he was passing by a blacksmith who was hammering. And Shama Kolarakta, the, the gnat heard the hammering, Inishtik, it, it, it quieted the gnat down. Apparently the gnat got scared, so the gnat got quiet. And this is the first time in seven years that Titus actually had like a moment of peace from the gnat. Omer Ikatakanta, Titus said, oh, I found the remedy. Every day he would have blacksmiths every once in a while bang, and it would calm the gnat down. The Nochiyavli, Ava Zuzi, to a guy, he would pay a blacksmith guy. He would pay four zuz. For the Yisrael, he said, "I'm not paying you, but it's enough that you should see how much pain I'm in. That should be your payment." He still didn't pass. He did this for thirty days. After thirty days, the gnat got used to the hammering, so it went back to going nuts. Tanya. Says, I was amongst the nobles of Rome. That when Titus died, they did an autopsy and they opened up his head. And there was a gnat in his brain, in his head, the size of a small bird who had eaten his brain for seven years. The Gemara says, The gnat was a, like a one year old pigeon. That weighed two liters, and Amar Bai Nektinan Piv Shal Nechoshes V'Sipon Shabarzal. Its mouth was of copper, and its nails were of iron. And this gnat was a supernatural gnat sent to destroy him. Now, what's interesting is Kiava Kamaisi as he's dying. A little bit As he's dying, as Tita's dying, Amar Lei Liklani Lahanu Gavra. I want you to burn my ashes. Ulevadu Likit Me'ashev Yami, and I want you to scatter my ashes over the seven seas across the whole world. So the Jewish God can't find me and take me to take me to judgment. And I don't know what these people are thinking. Anyway, so just to end the story of Titus, Titus had a very famous nephew named Unculus, Unculus the convert. 
Unculus bar Kulinicus bar Achde de Titus Unculus, who was the son of Kulinicus, the famous convert who wrote Targum Unculus, was the nephew of Titus. Now, before he converted, he wanted to convert. Now, Titus, now Unculus, who's the nephew of Titus, was a very high up in the Roman Emperor. Uh, and for him to convert, it was a very dangerous thing, as the Gemara says in Megillah, that they tried to kill him for this. But this is a little bit of the background, that before he converted, he brought up through necromancy, he brought up through uh, witchcraft, he wasn't Jewish yet, so through witchcraft he went to communicate with Titus, after Titus had died. So Amrle, a very fascinating conversation, Amrle, Uncle said to Titus, Man Alma, in the next world, the world to come, who's Chashib, meaning which God is the real God? Amrle Yisrael, the Jewish God. So Uncle said, should I convert? Right? You just told me that the Jews are the real religion. Should I convert? Amalei Titus said, Their laws are a lot, and you won't be able to fulfill the laws. Rather, fight them. Meaning, you're not going to get the next world anyway, because the Jews, it's too hard to join the Jewish people. Rather, you should be anti-Semitic. Fight them. And you'll be successful in this world. Because the Pasuk says the enemies of the Jewish people are always in top. Whoever attacks the Jewish people does well in this world. So, meaning Titus' evil was so much that he refused to, he didn't want his nephew to join him even after in the oil of Amos. What is your punishment every day? So, Amrle, he said, I'll start the next summer, we'll just finish up the story. I'm punished with uh, the decision I made for myself. You're always punished with your own actions. Every day they take my ashes together, they rebuild me, they call me and they burn me, and they scatter me again every day. So, Unculus had already spoken to Titus. So, he brought up Bilam, Bilam Harasha. Who is prominent in the next world? Amalei Yisrael, the Jewish people. Should I convert? Bilam said, no, you should not look for the peace of Jewish people anytime, meaning Bilam was still Bilam. So he said to Bilam, what's your punishment? I'm boiled in, in, I'm, I'm burnt in boiling semen. Sheikh Bazar, right? That's a Bilam at the end of his life. He got the Jewish people to sin through a znus, and that's the punishment. So just to end off the story, so he brings up Titus, brings up Bilam. They all say the Jewish people are, are MS, but still don't give in. So Unculus decided to bring up some of the sinners, Jewish people that went off the derech. And he spoke to Goyim who so he decided to see a Jew who's a Russian. Amrle, he asked whichever Jew this was, Man who's Chosh in the next world? Amr Yisrael, the Jewish people. So who should I convert? She said, yes, seek peace and, and try to join the Jewish people, meaning if you can, because whoever harms the Jewish people, it's like harming the eye of Hashem, meaning Hashem takes it personally. So, yeah, if you could convert, that's a good thing. So, he says, What's your punishment every day? I'm punished in boiling excrement. Because whoever mocks the words of the Rabbana, that's your punishment. And I was anti Rabbana when I was alive. So the Gemara says, we'll end with this, Look at the difference between a Jewish sinner and a Goyesha sinner. Titus and Bilam were Goyesha sinners, and they saw the truth. And they still like uh, advised against uh, Unculus. And you have a Jewish sinner who also was punished, but he 
But he appreciated and he said, no, if you're able to join the Jewish people, I'll you should. I will stop here, pick it up tomorrow.